Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is April 25th, 2018. It's been seven years since I've been doing the show, and I haven't done a lot lately. I've been pretty busy working on my next project, um, which will be more about uh, rehab and sober living, fraud, body brokering, and all that criminal that lies within that. Um, I want to take a minute to just talk about something else um, besides Hollywood's love affair with AA. Um, it is about how, I, I would say, in Hollywood's world, mm, how people who are in AA and wind up joining AA and are in Hollywood really push it on others in a way that doesn't happen in the real world. Or maybe it does happen that way. But one of the things that I found uh, really, really interesting about the history of Marty Mann was how she got, she came out to Hollywood and in 1954 made a TV series proposal around a character struggling with alcoholism. And the NCA, which is National Council on Alcoholism, pioneered in developing themes for television dramatic shows. And Tom Swarford, I guess we could find um, an NA board. I'm sorry, an NCA board member and the vice president of CBS worked with Norman Lear, then a leading producer of the TV shows like Maud. Swafford made possible much of the NCA's input into TV shows, even sponsoring an Alcoholism Information Week, with the NCA initiating the first celebrity public service TV spots. A committee on alcoholism was established within the Department of Health education and welfare and in 1963 the federal government granted nearly two and one half million dollars to individuals and agencies for research on alcoholism the nca nca itself received several grants to examine the impact of alcoholism and marty had a bad uh, relapse i guess she drank some alcohol during this time and maybe got drunk i don't know it doesn't so details, you know, how it is in AA when people drink. It's like, oh, they had a relapse. Oh, somebody drank something, and then the world is falling apart when the world is not falling apart. But that's how it is in AA. Well, 
I find this really, really shocking. So I'm going to say it again. Tom Swafford, who was National Council on Alcoholism board member, which was an AA front group that Marty Mann, one of the first women who joined Alcoholics Anonymous, created so that she could promote it and not break the traditions. And he was the vice president of CBS. CBS. So now we know how far back it started with television and worked with Norman Lear, then a leading producer of TV shows like Mm Mm-hmm. So he was on the board. Good Lord. Okay. Um... Let's see. Um, one of the other things that I thought was pretty, pretty outrageous was that Marty, well, not outrageous, but so her lover, Priscilla, wound up working at Vogue. And because she worked at Vogue, and you can imagine those times in the 1940s when the world was so much smaller and then the gay world would be even that much smaller and protected because things were illegal. So there was this secret groups of Alcoholics Anonymous, and then there was these secret gay groups, right? But anyway, she wasn't. She wasn't. She didn't hide her relationship um, from what this biography says about Marty Mann, that she was gay and had lived with a woman. I mean, that was not hid at all. Hidden. I mean, but um, her partner. Priscilla was the editor at Vogue magazine, okay, and was the primary breadwinner and supported Marty during her her struggles. Um, The relationship became strained, though, when Marty had affairs with two other women, Carson McCullers and Jane Bowles. Carson McCullers, famous writer. Mm -hmm. So she was up in those big, big circles. uh, And um, let me see. Marty solicited donors such as a Hollywood star, Mary Pickford, and that was a big in, uh, definitely big in there. Uh, so Mary Pickford, you know, you can just imagine when you think of her bringing her to Hollywood, and then you see films like The Lost Weekend with Ray Milland and The Days of Wine and Roses, um, you know, these were times when things were were very, very tough. Um, let's talk about another period uh, or another part of her work. So the NCEA was called, was the National Council Education Alcoholism is what it was called. And um, in the beginning, Yale, yes, this is Yale, enthusiastically supported the NCEA's mission to reduce stigma through education and, you know, talk about alcohol abuse, I'm sure, all the time. It was called... Wow. What the hell is going on here? Sorry, here. Something very strange has happened. <laughs> that was weird. I could, it was like came back in from my my speaker there. I don't know how that happened. I've never had that happen. Anyway, we'll continue on here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so what happened is that so she's trying to reduce the stigma of education and talk about um, you know the dependency issues and recovery and all this and 
Yale's primary goals became more about specific about teaching and doing research, and that's not really what Marty was about. Um, at the end, Yale, the, the Yale community became increasingly more uncomfortable finding themselves involved in a national health program and funding issues also heightened tensions, and donors were unsure if their monies were financing Yale's alcoholic research. Um, and then with the NCEA's outreach efforts, um, or the day-to-day expenses of AA. So that kind of, um, there was the beginning of, um, it says extreme tension and hostility began, whereas the divorce of the NCA and Yale ended amicably. Um, the National Council on Alcoholism is what it was called in the 70s and 80s, and now it's National Council on Alcohol and Drug Dependency. That is very much an arm of, um, it's an arm of AA, even though it's not, you know, you you can't trace it legally, but the, this was created by AA people. So I want to talk about the love affair that movie stars still have with AA and want to say, why is this Robin Williams? Um, Judy Garland certainly didn't. Um, Whitney Houston, I would say, didn't, but was sucked into a style um, people who... Uh, attempted to help her. Um, Corey Monteith, we know, was sent to rehabs. Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, there's pictures of people that I know, know that he was an AA member. And But the thing is, is that it's such an old, old modality. And we're wondering why uh, people still in this time and age uh, are still going to these rehabs. So you have Hazleton and Biddy Ford, and honestly, although I can't say it honestly, but I'll say it that, you know, the facts, I, I would say that Hazleton and Biddy Ford are probably better than some of the rogue rehabs, um, but I wouldn't tell anybody to go there, but at least they have like real office buildings and have some people in there working who have credentials, although I know there are people there that don't too. There are people that work at both Hazleton and Biddy Ford. I don't know about Hazleton, but I do know somebody who had uh, a friend whose kid went to Betty Ford, and they had people that were just, you know, clean and sober, uh, N.A. or A. style, that were, they were the counselors. And whether or not they had a Ph.D. or MFCC, I, I really doubt it with their long ponytail and their tattoos if they um, really had any degree but the problem we see now when you see all these people dying is that they're dealing with people, and I can't even say they're not being treated by people because they're not being treated, because treatment would consist of somebody who has an education, somebody who's trained. I mean, there's such a big difference between a real therapist and an AA sponsor, right? I mean, if you're listening to me, most of you know that you know, an AA sponsor is not trained, and um, they could be very, very damaging as well as they could be helpful. Um, personally, I had um, helpful people. They were more motherly to me and giving me um, advice that they, from their own experience, from good therapy or something, although there were times I was given bad advice. And um, it was very detrimental when it had to do with serious issues. Uh, yet, on a whole, I had a much better experience than I hear people having these days, Right. So how do we stop it? I mean, you have, if now that I just, you know, for the first time actually saw that in the writing here, 
of the notes from when I was studying and um, re researching the history of Marty Mann, who really without her, AA would be like the size of a peanut, is my favorite saying. And it would be because she was so hell-bent. I mean, the scene in my film where she's talking, that's a Rotary Club. I mean, imagine me just like going around to all the Rotary Clubs and joining them up and, and giving talks on you know, how bad AA is and how you should go to maybe smart recovery or moderation or something else. How many out there think that would go over well? I don't, I don't know. I don't think it would go over too well. Because AA is completely enmeshed in American society, which is really kind of pathetic and sad it needs to be undone. And the fact that judges court order people there, and they court order violent and sex offenders there, and they send everybody who you know gets a DUI unless they know better, and say, you can't do that to me, and they fight it, which you can fight it. All I have to do is tell your lawyer that you're not going to AA, that it's a religious program. It's got 500, 497 references to God, Him, and higher power. And so that would be a religious program. In, a ninth, in the Ninth Circuit Court, which I live in in California, it has been deemed highly religious. And in 25 other states, or 25 total, it's been deemed highly religious, meaning that it's a violation of your First Amendment rights to be sent there. There is a case right now in Ohio where a group of nurses are fighting, uh, being sent and forced to not only with the nurses and doctors and pilots, it's pretty bad, and you'll be hearing about this with these three professionals until I change it, you know. I mean, I think it's really, really horrific that they are sent there in a way that even criminals aren't sent there, that if you don't believe in the ide ideology, if you don't talk the talk and pretend you believe in it, you will not fly. You will not be a nurse, and you will not be a doctor. That's pretty fucked up. So I contacted the California um, Board of Nursing, which brought me to the head of whatever department it was, and talked to her and then sent her a letter. Um, the next piece of, and, and she actually brought it up to the board, um, and this is just the state of California, so there's like 49 more states to go, guys. Anybody else want to help out and make some calls to the Board of Nursing in your state, gladly reach out to me and contact me at makeaasafer at gmail.com, and I could, um, we could share the letter, or you could call and make the call, or, you know, give me the info and I'll make the call. But... Um, this stuff really needs to stop. I mean, to me, it's just like, wow, it's so mind-boggling. The next piece of activism that I did after the nursing is that I called New York, left word, talked to the assistant, told her a lot, um, and then I have written a letter which I sent. They're having their major conference right now in New York City, and uh, so I'll be sending out this letter to all the board members. I missed the time. I, usually they have it at the end of the April, but I guess they had it a little bit earlier this year. Um, I'll, I'll send it out, like, some of it this week, and then I'm going out of town next week, so when I come back, I'll send it to everybody. And I guess it'll just have to wait till the next board meeting. But what I'm doing is asking them to contact the judges and tell them that they cannot send people is a violation of their tenants and traditions, I mean AAs, 
and that it's a violation of First Amendment rights to be forced there, to be forced anywhere. It'd be like, you know, you must go to be compelled to go to a Weight Watcher meeting or to be compelled to, um, you know, go to uh, a religious, to go to church. You know, it'd be pretty outrageous. And um, so anyway, that that letter is uh, it's a good letter, and that's the beginning of um, that work that I'm doing, and I feel that it would be great to have an army of people doing it, to have, you know, a couple of 20, 30, 40 people, or at least a person in each state to address what's going on in every state. So if you're interested at all, you can find us on Facebook. I just want to go through some of the places where you can find me and us if you're having a problem. Um, One is a group called Deprogramming. From AA or any 12-step group, it's a closed group. You have to ask, answer the questions. Okay, guys, answer the questions, or you're not getting in. Um, this is strictly about deprogramming. If you are leaving AA, haven't left AA, or you know still have uh, you know love for Alcoholics Anonymous, you're better off in the leaving AA group. And um, but don't think you can come in there and talk about how great it is because that's not going to go over too swell. Although I won't, you know, you won't be thrown out of that group for that. But in the deprogramming group, it's like pretty much zero tolerance for that kind of stuff. Um, um, Say no to AA for DUI or professional extortion of pilots, nurses, and doctors. I combined two groups and made this one big group where people can um, find out what's going on, and I'm definitely organizing. The next stage will be contacting the FAA and the APLA, which is the Airline Pilots Association. Very, very entrenched. The bird of a feather, stupid group. Um, The HIMSS program is all about Alcoholics Anonymous. If you don't do it, uh, you are not going to fly. And, um, yeah, the other thing that... uh, um, some a wording that's come about because of the Me Too movement is this, and it's called hostile work environment. And I had a pilot recently who called me, where definitely you have that hostile work environment was also included in um, the abuses that were going on with having to believe in AAA. Um, okay, uh, the 13 step film. I have a page, but then I made a group so that people could begin to converse and. Uh, start a conversation. Uh, when I first made these things, I did not know the difference between a page and a group, and I since have found out. Um, expose Alcoholics Anonymous activism. So that's mostly where I'll post things to expose. And then we have a Sadie uh, Campos is uh, in the group, and uh, Sadie created a um, Instagram and would do the hashtag expose AA in capital letters, uh, expose, and then AA is in caps. And people are beginning to uh, get on that social media and do that, which is great. Uh, Let's see, deprogramming, I said that. Um, I have my music page. And then we have Make AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, Safe for Activism. So these are for people that are still in it and uh, who want to make it safer. And there's people outside who've left who still want to make it safer until either A is the size of a peanut or whatever size it is, it's still should have to, uh, let's see, follow the laws of uh, 501c, you know, the nonprofit, uh, meaning that you have a nonprofit, then you have, the board is responsible for its members to be safe. 
So I'll drink a water there. Um, yeah, so we have that one. And then the 13, the 13 step, the film group, which is a public group. Uh, no need to hide. Uh, if you want to be in it, you're in it, and people can see you're in it. Uh, and then the last one is Stop Extorting Pilots, Nurses and Doctors. It's a really small group, but it is public, and it doesn't have that much um, activity. I almost shut it down, but I just I couldn't bear to. All right. Uh, all right, so there we go. And uh, so let's get back to this Hollywood's Love Affair with AA. Uh, I can remember the movie, um, it's My Name is Sarah T., I'm a Teenage Alcoholic, right? And I'm like, okay, this this film makes me so mad because this film really was influential in kind of setting me up for meeting the guy on the beach in 1975 in Hawaii, believing that AA was a uh, a safe and this benign place, a poor group, where you know, they they leave out all the readings on all the TV shows, except there's a few that maybe you've seen. You know, Shameless is not was not a fan of AA, but it's sure getting that way with the way that they're treating um, Lip. Uh, and let's see, what other shows? There's so many. Uh, Breaking Bad made fun of it. Breaking Bad had a meeting in a scene, which I put in the film The 13th Step, and you know, it was not, that's not how a meeting is run. It's not even how a meeting looks. This big circle, you know, and then there's this leader. No, there's no fucking leader there like that, okay? Like, there's no trained facilitator. AA is not a class. And uh, if anything that's so infuriating when judges would call it, or even journalists, although we really want to thank a lot of journalists for really speaking out, and, you know, we have begun to see over many years now, actually, where the journalists will put AA in the headlines, you know, child molested in AA meeting. That was up in Seattle, up in um, Bellingham, Washington. So, you know, you have that. And uh, you just have all these people that are in it. And then, like when Corey, who was on Glee, um, you know, I guess was, God knows, he could have had like one drink. We don't know what happened. But you have um, Jane... I forget her last name, but she was a star on the show, and she's a stepper. Yeah, she's a nice person. I met her, but what the fuck, you know, like this is not your place to, like, push your cult on other people, as well as one of the producers. A uh, big producer was definitely um, is definitely a stepper and, you know, made sure that he got, you know, went to rehab. I don't know which one he went to. I heard that Corey actually went to some really bad, abusive teen ones when he was a teenager, sent there over there by his mother. But, um uh, Robin Williams, you know, went to Hazleton in Oregon. And, you know, lately we have, uh, was it, the, which guy was it? Oh, my God, this guy is, like, sober. And he checked himself into, he had a pain medication problem. These people don't even have a drinking problem. I'm sure they think they can't drink either because that's the way it is. And frickin', um, what, do you, what do you call it? Uh, that's the way it is in AA. You know, the all or nothing, um, crazy-ass people who think they can't, you know, have food with alcohol cooked in it, although there are some people who don't think that way. But uh, where is that one story? Let's see if I can find it. Another actor. Um, what actor is it? Um, uh, Colin. 
Colin Farrell. That's who it is. Yep. Colin Farrell. Um, yeah. Colin Farrell uh, checked himself in to a rehab because he was overworking. All right? And, um, you know, what is this? Somebody just sent me something. Uh, and uh, I was like, really, dude? Like, you have all that money. You have all that resource. Why don't you go, like, to a spa? Why don't you go to retreat? Like, go up to Esalen or there's a lot of places, although maybe, you know, these places are getting bought up by uh, freaking rehab. If you want to call in, I have just a little time. I'm doing a really short show. We have five minutes left, 818-475-9211, 818-475-9211. Uh, I'm going to do a show on rehab, sober living in Southern California and how dangerous they are and how fraudulent they are. I'm going to do that in a couple of weeks when I come back. And I'm going to do a better show. I'm, so willing to, uh, I'm not really willing to read the Marty Man bio cover to cover. So I'm going to have somebody on who is an expert on it. Um, yeah, I'll find an expert. And then up in the future, I'm going to have Gabriel Glaser on, and we're going to talk about that it isn't just drugs that's killing these young people uh, with the opiates. It's uh, it's the whole abstinence base and the whole thing about uh, you can't have anything and they're not using medical-assisted treatment, right? They're not using that. Uh, they're using the all or nothing, and that's not a good thing. Um, I'll give a plug from my movie, The 13th Step, the film, which is doing well. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers from Amazon lately, but it's okay. Uh, and that is Amazon Amazon Prime. It's free. It's a 52-minute version. It's good. And then the one on Vimeo I like better. It's a little longer. It's one hour and seven minutes. It's just uh, one ninety nine to rent it, and I think four ninety nine to buy it. Uh, and if you want to reach me, you can through the Leaving AA blog, and you can reach me through makeaasafer at gmail dot com. So I was taking a look, you know, in preparation for this show and one that I'm going to do in the future that will be more coverage and uh it was really um in the fifties this kind of started um about the the NCA was um instrumental in encouraging the medical profession to organize a medical society. So it's just a society composed of physicians with a specialized knowledge of alcoholism. Slowly, medicine and psychiatry developed specialties in addiction treatment. The seeds for the creation for the first such group, the New York City Medical Society on Alcoholism, were nurtured when the NCEA began its existence by sharing the offices of the New York Academy of Medicine back in the 40s. There was an inevitable cross-fertilization of these ideas. Yeah, I guess, what? guess what, guys? They were all in AA probably, except for a few. Um doctors who were sort of befuddled about how to treat addiction, but anyway, in 54, the New York City Medical Society on Alcoholism was formed by six physicians meeting in Marty's office. Hmm. They met in Marty's office. And the first of many medical societies on alcoholism to follow, a key person in the founding was, um, president was Dr. Ruth Fox, which anyone who's an AA historian knows about her. 
Marty's close friend and colleague. Was Ruth Fox an AA member? I'm not sure. Um, the group was the forerunner of today's National Professional Medical Association, the American Society of Addictive Medicine. So its roots in the ASAM are all stepper roots, and uh, it would be really interesting to interview somebody from there. Um, let me see. Um, they talk about, you know, I don't know. They just talk about the different words that they're using to label and get, you know, doctors to call to say that it's a disease. Uh, alcoholism is a primary chronic disease with genetic and psychosocial and environmental factors influencing its development and manifestations. What the fuck? Oh, my God, these people. All right, so, but the NCA, which was AA, right, not AA like AA in New York, but the NCA's Marty Man's Baby, which is just an arm of her work, and the ASAM was just an arm of that work that reached out to doctors. So uh, here's the other idea, is that we have to actually replicate everything that AA did to undo it, to have other alternatives become the mainstream and not AA. Frankly, too many people are dying. Too many millennials are dying, and it has to stop. And a lot of it is their parents. Their parents pushing them into AA treatment and the treatment being just that and them believing it whether they're in AA or not. So, again, I am Monica Richardson. It's been nice talking to you in the blog talk radio land. Hi out there to all of you that I know and to those that I don't know. Welcome to the podcast and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Okay, everybody? Thank you and good night and see you on the blogs, and see you on Facebook and on social media. Good night.